What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are going to be talking about the first two bowl games on the schedule. The Las Vegas Bowl, the Quick Lane Bowl featuring Northwestern and Minnesota. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google, Spotify. Exciting times. We're going to be doing several podcasts on the bowl games that the Big Ten teams are in. Uh, on Monday morning, I will be w- joined by Larry uh, Larry Cron, who covers Rutgers. So excited to have him on the show. We'll get to talk to him about uh, the Rutgers season. We'll get to talk to him about uh, just the perception or kind of surrounding the Rutgers program, even the new extension that Greg Schiano just got. So we'll be talking to him. Uh, we'll, we'll cover a couple more bowl games in that episode as well. Today, we're going to talk about the Quick Lane Bowl, the, the the Las Vegas Bowl. We're also going to get to the news that the Attorney General of Florida, Ashley Moody, going after the College Football Playoff Committee for leaving out Florida State. I have some thoughts. <laughs> I have some thoughts about that. So we're gonna we're gonna dive into that again. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe, share review. Again, this is this is a great time to get your friends involved in listening to college football content. And I believe that this is a podcast that people should be listening to. So if you believe that too, make sure you're sharing with your friends. Uh, we'd love to get the listenership uh, continuing to grow. You guys are a big part of that. So thank you guys for being part of this journey with me. That being said, let's get right to the football games, the football being played on the field. This uh, The first bowl game that we're going to talk about, Saturday, December 23rd, Utah taking on Northwestern in the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. And Utah is a seven-point favorite. The over-under is 41.5 points. This game is on ABC at 7.30 p.m. And it's, it's an interesting game because I think on paper you hear Utah versus Northwestern. I think most people would assume that Utah is going to win. And uh, there's a, a lot of good reasons for that. I think you think of Utah as a power a power team in the Pac-12, the, the now defunct Pac-12 after this season. I think a lot of people see Northwestern as a team who honestly is just, you know, survived a bad division in the Big Ten West, Right. But I think there's a lot lost in this. And something that I'll I'll talk about a lot in these episodes, bowl games are often not just about your skill and your roster. It is part of that. And often, you know, talent is a great equalizer. But I think just as, as important as talent and roster is momentum. And I think... Like momentum is going in separate directions, right? Utah has a lot of transfers. Uh, Bryson Barnes, who is playing in this game, 
is not like he's playing in this game, but he is transferring because of the news that Cam Rising is coming back for a seventh season. I think he's like 35 at this point. Um, but th- suffice it to say, he is on his way out. There's a lot, a lot of players for Utah on their way out. They've also been injured all season long. They've really struggled with injuries. And if you look at how they fared down the stretch, you know, they they lost three of their last five games and a six-point win against a bad Colorado team. So they, they have not been a great team down the stretch, right? You know, they started seven and uh six and one. Sorry, six and one. And they end eight and four. Now, Kyle Whittingham is a great coach, um, but I think we have to just beg – it begs the question, right? They beat a Florida team at home at the beginning of the season, and I think a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement was high for Utah. But the reality is they have struggled, and, you know, granted, they lost to Oregon. They lost to Washington, two very good teams, Washington, a playoff team, got blown out by Arizona – and then really struggled against against Colorado. Northwestern, on the other hand, has had a very different ride. They they went four and one in their last five games, beat Maryland, who I think we saw Maryland has talent. Right, they competed against Ohio State. They competed against Michigan. They were three points uh, from beating Iowa, and then they beat Wisconsin on the road. Like that's a you know Camp Randall is a tough place to play. I know Wisconsin hasn't been great, but they beat Wisconsin. They beat them by two scores. Then they beat Purdue again. Not a great win. Purdue's not a great team, not even a good team. But they beat Purdue, and then they go on the road against a desperate Illinois team, and they they beat the Illini to get to seven and five. Ben Bryant had been playing has been playing a lot better down the stretch. Uh, Johnson. Uh, has been a really a really good receiving option for them, and Cam Bo- Cam Porter has been reliable, although uh, you know not not an explosive guy, but you know he's been reliable for them at running back. So what what do you make of this game? Because I think again on paper, Utah should win. FPI has them as a seventy seven point four percent chance of winning this game. They they that's that's what they like. So a three to one advantage essentially for Utah, uh, according to ESPN FPI. What do you make of this game? Well, again, I look. Momentum is a big key. You have a lot of of guys opting out of this game for Utah. Not necessarily a lot of starters, but there's a lot of guys opting out. Bryson Barnes playing at quarterback for them, but he's on his way out, and, and it really begs the question. Are they bought into this game? Like, are they bought into this game? You look at Northwestern, very few players opting out. Like, they're all they're all in. They're all in. They've been excited. They're excited. They've overachieved. What do I think is going to happen? Five years ago, this exact game happened. It was Utah against Northwestern in 2018. And everybody knew that Utah was going to win. Northwestern won 31 to 20. Now, some different things. Northwestern was not coming off a scandal, but 
Northwestern, again, didn't have necessarily the talent. Everybody, And that's why everybody assumed Utah was going to win, right? I think, I think Northwestern wants to be in this game. I think Northwestern has really coalesced under new head coach David Braun. And while I really like Kyle Whittingham as a coach, I like Northwestern in this game. And I think they're going to score more than people expect because, again, I think Utah, you know, they've had some time to get healthy, sure. But I don't think, I, I don't think a lot of those injuries are coming back this year. So I like Northwestern to win. I got them winning 31 to 17 over Utah, which I know sounds like a crazy margin, but I, the momentum for Utah has, that it scares me. And when your momentum is, you know, sliding, I get nervous. And Northwestern's momentum has been, it's surging. So I like Northwestern. I like them by two scores. The quick lane bowl, uh, Bowling Green, seven and five, taking on Minnesota, five and seven. Uh, Minnesota gets the nod, because I believe because of uh, graduation rate. So good job for Minnesota to get into a bowl game. It, this is this is a game that's hard for me to pick, and I came into it probably five minutes before recording, thinking I was going to go one way, and I I changed my mind at the last minute. Um, this game is taking place Tuesday, December twenty sixth. Uh, it's a three and a half point line uh, for Minnesota. They're the favorites. Uh, it's at two p.m. on ESPN. I, again, momentum's a big deal, and Minnesota does not have a lot of it. Right, they have. Uh, they lost four straight to end the season. They were five and three. Uh, had a chance to get to to five hundred multiple times, and they blew it game after game. Right now, granted, they played at Ohio State. That was never going to be a win. But they played Illinois at home, lost by one. Played at Purdue, got crushed. Went to Ohio State, got crushed. Lost to Wisconsin by two scores. Right, and Wisconsin hadn't been playing very well. And now you're starting quarterbacks out, by the way. Cole Kramer, uh, who's a fifth-year senior, takes over for or Ethan Kaliak-Manis. Uh, more of a dual-threat guy. Uh, has been a wild wildcat option for them in the past, but has not taken many snaps. Uh, I think I, I read 61 total snaps in his career. I think he has one passing attempt, and I believe it was, it was an interception. Um, so not great. Not great, but my guess is they come into this game, they run a bit more read option, try to try to use their their power running game. Um, Bowling Green is a weird. It's a it's a weird matchup for them because, like, I don't think Bowling Green is an overpowering team, right? They're seven and five, but like you look at some of their their games and their record. You know, they played a really good Liberty team and lost by 10. And it was at at Liberty. Um, lost at Michigan. You know, no sweat there. Lost to a pretty good Ohio team. And they lost to the MAC champion, uh, Miami of Ohio. And they lost to Toledo, who's the MAC West champion. Um, they started out two and four. One of those wins was against Georgia Tech. 
And then since then, you you know, after Miami of Ohio, five and one. And that one loss was a one-point loss to Toledo. So it's a it's this is a tough, I think a tough matchup for Minnesota, right? You look at Minnesota and, and how they've performed this year. Uh, you know, they, they had a Mac team on their schedule, Eastern Michigan. They beat them 25 to six. Um, so like they've, they've played Mac teams, but it's, I think Bowling Green is good enough to upset Minnesota in this game. Right. And there's a reason why Minnesota is only a three and a half point favorite. Now, Connor Basilak, former Indiana, uh, head coach or not head coach, former Indiana quarterback, he is the trigger man for the Falcons. Uh, he's been okay, right? Uh, over 1,700 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. Not a high-flying attack, right? Uh, their you know, rushing to- totals are not great. And so I think Minnesota's defense is strong enough to hold Bowling Green at bay. And I think it's on the defensive side of the ball that where... Minnesota gets this done. I do think Minnesota covers barely. I've got 24 to 20 Minnesota over Bowling Green. I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball enough, and I think the defense will be able to force, even with uh, the defensive coordinator moving on, um, I think the I think the Golden Gopher defense will be stout enough to hold Bowling Green at bay to a point where they won't be able to, to, to score enough points to win the game. I've got 24 to 20. 24 to 20 as the final. We will have more bowl games uh, for you, including Rutgers and Miami next week, uh, next Monday. I want to get to this report about Ashley Moody, the Attorney General launching an investigation into the college football playoff selection committee. Now, again, this is more playoff stuff. This is more, uh, a lot of, how do I say this? I, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but I do think it's important and relevant to the sport. So I, there's a lot of reaction to this. I think a lot of Florida State fans and, and maybe a lot of anti-SEC fans and anti-ESPN fans are like, yes, go get them. Go, Ashley. Bring these jerks to justice, right? That's kind of, I think, the sentiment. And I get it. I, I get it. Like, go and investigate. And on one hand, I'm like, I'm all for transparency. That's been my biggest frustration with the committee, If I'm if I'm all on it all honest with y'all, I feel like they can make any justification that they want and they can put whatever four teams they want. And you can say, well, we followed the protocols. But at the end of the day, they create their own logic. And you can use any one of the protocols that they have to make, make it up. Which I think is at the heart of the problem of this whole investigation. Because what she's going to find is that the system is broken, which is what we've been saying all along. You see, the, 
the problem with the committee isn't the committee. Now, I think they're bogus and ridiculous. Like, I, you know, I, I think they're probably biased. I think they're influenced. But the reality is the, the system that was created lends itself to being manipulated by bias. Like, if you look at the metrics, it gives room for injuries to be a part of the decision, right? Which is why the committee says, well, picking the best four is more of an art than a science. It shouldn't be, but it is. And that's the problem. And so this is probably one of the biggest wastes of time and money and taxpayer, yeah, taxpayer dollars that I could ever think of. Not because, you know, I, I think it's worth forcing the playoff committee to show their cards. But the reality is it doesn't, ultimately it doesn't matter because the system is so subjective that you, like you honestly can make things up. Like who do you think the best team is? Well, for this team, for Michigan, I'm just going to say, well, let's just look at Sagarin. And let's just look at how they beat Ohio State. Okay, cool. Let's look at Florida State. Oh, well, their offense stinks now. But but Michigan, Michigan's great. Michigan's great. Florida State, they're, they're bad now. What? It, you can use any metric that you want out of all of their protocols and to justify your position that one team is better than the, than the other. That's the problem with the system, which is why since 2014, even though I as an Ohio State fan benefited from this system, saw it for what it was, which is it's a terrible system based on the opinions of men. That's what it is. This, it's an opinion poll, which is why I'm at least grateful that there are automatic bids in the 12-team playoff. I know people are upset about automatic bids, but the reality is we needed them because at least there's some objective measure that says if you win your conference and you're one of the top six conference, or I think they're, they're now talking maybe it's the top five. I hope, I hope it stays top six. But the top five, uh, you know, the top conference champions get in. And so you know, okay, if I'm in... A power, a power conference, unless if I lose like four or five games, if I win my conference, I'm in. Which I like, I like that because you can say at the beginning of the season, you know your pathway. You know your pathway to the playoff. Don't lose too many games and win your conference. It's objective, right? Now, seeding might not be objective. Again, stupid but at least we have finally some objective measure that gets a team in the problem with this whole lawsuit or not investigation whatever you want to call it it's hard to investigate something that has no objective measure and so what exactly are we investigating the committee's bias well, I mean, it, 
you can find it, sure, but the reality is they the, the committee essentially has every right in this system, in this format, to be swayed by any bias that they want to be swayed by. And I'm not even saying they're doing it willingly. It's just a reality, right? It's, there's just a reality. I, I think I said this on the last podcast. Everybody has a bias. Everybody. And you have to learn to know what your biases are if you're going to make a decision in an unbiased manner. And that's really, really hard. It's why when, when Kirk Herbstreet, who, again, just puts his foot in his mouth and says, you know, Florida State fans don't want to deal in facts, but in conspiracy theories, the dude can't look in the mirror. Like, what they're calling out, what most reasonable fans are calling out is the potential for bias for ESPN influencing the committee. Like, you can't go from one end of the line to the other to realize, oh, ESPN owns the playoff. ESPN owns the rights to the SEC. You don't think there's a conflict of interest there? Like, it doesn't have to be blatant uh, tampering. All it has to be is a conflict of interest and a bias. And, and as much as they try to avoid it, and they do, they do try to avoid it, right? You have to get people out of the room if you're affiliated with the conference. You have to get people out of the room if you're affiliated with the team. You're still going to be influenced one way or another, whether you, whether you recognize it or not. That being said, like this, this whole investigation is, is dumb. And it's a waste of money. The reality is the system needs to change. And it is changing. It's not perfect. What would be perfect is a truly objective measure, but that's hard to do. It, honestly, I think you have to, in a sense, blow college football up a bit. But at least we're changing the system where there's at least some objectivity next year. So that's, that's my thought on it. Uh, we'll be back Monday morning. Excited to bring you uh, some some fresh perspectives, especially on Rutgers. But make sure you like, follow, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.